This is the Leadership and Insurance Podcast, brought to you by FinPro Search Partners. Insurance companies are businesses and they need to look for the long term and be sustainable. We went from zero to one and now it's going from one to a hundred. Insurance as, as a concept, as a kind of service, is brilliant. The execution is what we're looking at now. I think the companies that are going to succeed are the ones that are going to understand and master the art of intent. When we talk about innovation, we lean too heavily to think about technology and we don't think about creating a culture of innovation. I think innovation is essentially continuous improvement of existing processes and platforms and product, right? It's got to be easy. It's got to be seamless. Good afternoon and welcome to the Emerging Tech series of the Leadership and Insurance Podcast. I'm your host, Gavin Savage, and this is the podcast where we speak to technology founders, executives and leaders from the world of InsureTech. And today, I'm very excited to be joined by the CTO of CoverGo and Ahmad Mosa. Ahmad, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me, Gavin. Pleased to be here. Yeah, yeah. We've known each other for a while. Um, hopefully you're an, an avid listener by now of the podcast. Um, you don't need to answer that. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, um, I listen to quite a few of them. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah. But no, look. Uh, as I say, it's always it's always nice to do it with someone you're familiar with um, and have known. Unfortunately, we've not managed to meet, but um, I'm sure I'm sure there's time for that. But before we get into everything regarding you know what CoverGo do and other various topics that we'll discuss on today's episodes. Um, I think it'd be great if you could introduce yourself, um, you know, even going way back, you know, how you got into tech and and then how you ended up navigating into the world of InsureTech because this is your, correct me if I'm wrong, third venture in the space. So typically, you know, from CTOs, from people in tech, they don't, most of them don't come from insurance or InsureTech, which is interesting. But yeah, if you could give us a, a kind of, summary of yourself and, and as I say where you are today yeah so um, summary is um, over 20 years of uh, tech experience um, into technology space and um, about 20 odd years of that is insurance related um, started uh, uh, with a company called um, uh, uh, TIA Systems and they used to do implementations of uh, TIA, the insurance application. Um, and from there, went to work with um, ICE InsureTech, which was called um, IT Freedom back then, and um, where we started building the um, ICE suite. And that's back in 2004 onwards, and stayed with them for about 12, 13 years. And uh, from there left into um, another insure, insure tech, which is um, IOTA tech. And that was uh, a completely from the ground startup building a multi-tenant SaaS insurance platform. And um, yeah, exited that earlier this year. And now with uh, CoverGo, which is um, a no-code API first um, insurance platform. Um, so yeah, twenty years of uh, insurance technology experience. Three main insure techs 
that I've been involved with um, over the course of uh, 20 odd years. Wow. Yeah, I would say the most seasoned technology leader we've had on on the series um, with regards to both insurance and insure tech uh, expertise. And I mean, is that is that's the common theme I hear certainly from those and the technology space is it kind of just fell into it, you know one of the few spaces left to you know really go through a deep transformation in terms of technology adoption and we're you know there's so much going on now it's I think we're past that point it's now about the execution but has it always had an interest in insurance or again did the two things for you just seem to marry together and then 20 years later here you are still here yeah, interesting. I mean, at the time, it just happened uh, really that I got into into this field, into insurance, and uh, that's it. I got into it, and uh, yeah, never seemed to get out of it. Uh, <laughs> uh, enjoyed it really. There is lots of opportunities. That's the thing, and uh, with um, insurtech, and it is the insurance companies traditionally and still risk averse uh, as you can imagine so um there is a lot of opportunities within the industry to uh, um digitize to apply ai to uh, follow the banking sector and the fintech and um which is a little bit ahead of insurtech to be honest so there are, and and a lot of people are coming up with really exciting ideas and um and that's where there is you see innovation there is new um insurtechs coming up every now and then but i yeah i started 20 years ago and i'm still in that field and yeah 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 awesome and then again i guess again before we get into more avenues um for those that don't know um you briefly very briefly introduced what covergo are but would you mind going into a little bit more detail about i guess who covergo are um in more depth and, and also what the the mission is uh, at the moment yeah so covergo is a um, no code um api first um uh, insurance platform and the mission is to enable insurance companies to digitize their journeys and to be able to launch new products and go to market easily to uh, um, configure a new product, launch them um, and be very agile, be modern and not restricted by technology. And with the no-code capability means uh, you you can put this power in the hands of the business uh, and and not be restricted by tech and by um, engineering and 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 uh, IT. So um, we're a global company. We're remote first. Um, we've got um, clients in different continents from. Asia to Middle East to Europe, uh, North America, um, and we've got people from over thirty nationality all over the world, uh, as well because of the remote first nature of the business. We've got offices in in various locations, um, 
in the US and Dubai and um, Hong Kong, Singapore, uh, Vietnam, but we have people everywhere. Um, and we are very collaborative um, and we work very closely with our customers. Um, and uh, um, yeah, it's it's a, a, a very uh, um, exciting time for, for us uh, as we are expanding and scaling up the business. Mm, brilliant. Thank you. And <clears throat> I think just to probably jump off of the very, very end there. It's a very exciting time. Like I was keen to I was keen to I guess hear from you and maybe this comes ostensibly through the business as well, because you guys are obviously, you know, working with a very multinational company. You're seeing lots of different trends and patterns across insurance and insurtech. Uh, you know, as you say, from the US to Singapore to Hong Kong to all over Europe, like I mean, what what are you guys seeing at the moment? You know, or what are you personally seeing at the moment within, you know, an insure tech space? Like, what what is exciting, um, everyone at CoverGo or or you personally at the moment within the space? Um, there is a lot of uh, new trends coming up, but generally, still there are lots of, um insurance companies that are really restricted by the technology they have. And that is restricting the growth of the business, restricting the launch of new products or capturing more customers. And this is where at the moment we see a lot of transformation projects, which the main goal of those projects is to replace such systems and allow the business to move into new territories, new customer base, uh, 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 and grow the business. And with that, you've got also, there is obviously the AI aspect, which is exciting to everyone uh, at the moment and how that can be applied in various areas in insurance. But at the same time, it is about also the regulation and what you can and can't do, and what you should and shouldn't do with AI, um, which is uh, um, it, something that all industries exploring at the moment, in in and governments are looking at that in in terms of how to put control over AI. Um, but that's something I think is exciting the insurance industry a lot in in and in insure tech sector a lot in uh, different areas within the business mm. and uh, again it's, it's maybe not by uh, intention but going back to your previous uh, insurtech um, ventures and ace iota and, and now covergo it's that that theme of api middleware integration low code solutions you know you that space generally you know that's uh I guess I guess my question is from someone that's been in a number of ventures in that space. It's you know, what do you do? You have any? <laughs> maybe not. But do you, you won't have a, a a definite answer for this. But you know what it takes to become. It's becoming. It's not a crowded market. I would say you know. But I think that I think API in the last five years, and insurance or insure tech is. Is 
you know, five years ago it was a bit of a buzzword and, and, and maybe a checkbox um, to say that we're using some APIs. But I think now we can see the the real value of having API centric throughout the business. You know, what do you think in this space it takes to become, you know, an insure type market leader? You know, what, what value do you think you have to offer to carriers or to investors that are looking to invest in the company? Do, do you have any kind of insight or any? You know anything that you've learned over the last four or five years that would you know you could share? Yeah, I think the APIs actually. You're right. Um, six seven years ago, there wasn't that much focus, and it's more like a buzzword. And um, and and some of the systems offered very few APIs, very little uh, um, uh, APIs to expose. Um, the value is huge because. When you're talking about modern insurance applications and you talk configurability, you talk no code, and that is empowering the business to potentially build new products and launch them. What the API is doing is exposing capabilities to that business and to their IT teams to build on top and expand and and add um, real value to the business, whether that's through integrating to existing um, applications, to legacy applications, to build portals on top of that, to to, um, integrate with external uh, uh, third-party systems. Today's insurtech or insurance applications have you have your portals, which are your user interface. And and that is basically whether it is the carrier user or their broker or their um, customer. And you have the API, the application programming interface, and that is giving you another interface to your capabilities, which is through IT to enable and empower that the IT department and in that business to expand and build on top of your application and not be restricted by only what you're giving them in terms of uh, portals. So it is of great value to them, to, to businesses, to have those APIs and allow that integration and allow them to build capabilities on top of the application you're offering them yeah and the, and as you say the value add is is so significant that I can't imagine there's there's many insurance players not utilizing extensively api driven technology but you know i guess in saying that do you still come up against a certain resistance to adopting um api usage or becoming fully api driven you know we you know my 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 maybe optimistic brain thinks that in the next five to ten years you know apis will fully replace edis you know and a lot of people probably don't think that will happen but do you still get some what are the challenges for you even still knowing having proven and knowing the value add that apis can can drive within innovation and within experience from 
not just an internal usage, but for the customer? Like, what have been the, the biggest kind of challenges for you over the years? I think the challenge is, um, is having the right experience uh, on the API. So a lot of um, a lot of people are familiar with the user experience, and and that's what you apply when you're building your UI, um, and 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 try and understand the user and and design your journeys and UI based on on that user experience. Same applies to API, but not a lot of attention is paid to that. Because if you're going to expose your API, you, you're telling your customer, their IT team and third parties, this is another interface that you can interact with and use. And therefore, it's not just exposing an API. It is what is the experience of the developer using that API. And that's the challenge. I think there is no, no resistance in using the APIs. In fact, all customers would welcome that. Yeah. But are you exposing the right APIs? Are they providing the right experience? Are they providing the right capability to the customer? And are they allowing them to 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 do what they want to do easily and without a, a, a lot of hand holding and and guidance and troubleshooting? And, and that's the challenge, and that's the key with providing API is the experience you're providing with those APIs. Because mm, it's meant to be frictionless, low maintenance, low cost, as I say, in comparison to EDIs, which is quite a lot mm. of maintenance, um, quite a lot of hand-holding, um, but they're so ubiquitous it's, it's everywhere do you kind of see a point where we do get to that where it almost certainly replaces any functionality in that respect and it's just fully api driven um there there will always be with with the applications you're going to have um both i think the 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 ui and the api yeah and and uh You'll have some applications which are simply um, head, headless application that you can, on top of that, use any no-code, generic no-code um, uh, uh, application to build AI on top of that and build capabilities uh, through those APIs. But generally, it's always going to be you're going to have um, some persona portals um, with your application, and then the APIs is giving the additional capabilities. Mm. And it's kind of I'll, again, it feels like the market um, within this type of solution, you know, it's it is somewhat being mirrored a lot. But then you have big players in the space like CoverGo, and you know, I could mention some other ones, but you know, they're with quite with quite up but do you think in order to stand out in this field if you're coming to the insure tech market with this type of technology like is it, is it down to because you guys focus on uh well i think you personally have operated across pnc health and in life as a in a number of probably so many lines of business but do you think it's about if a startup comes into the space and they want to provide that cutting edge technology in this respect you know how they have how they can keep 
keep up with those that have been operating in the space doing this, like CoverGo and um, a number of others for five or, or six years? You know, is it is it down to, I just always wonder how you stand out now about, upon like the bigger players. Yeah, I think uh, if you want to provide uh, policy administration, claim management capability as an end-to-end, it's yeah. it's a crowded market, as you said. So it's not easy to stand out and you need to offer something different. You need to offer something which is uh, compelling, uh, um, provide a uh, uh, some real benefit to the to the uh, customer, something that is agile, that is quick to implement, that offers them um, everything they need in terms of capability, in terms of them being agile. Um, but it, it, I think a lot of insurtechs you see now are focusing on specific use cases. Mm. And by doing that, addressing certain use cases and doing a, 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 a solution for that that is well made that is unique that's easy to stand out that is easy to sell and that's easy to um, expand and grow because um, that's where you differentiate yourself when when you have those unique um, solutions for specific use cases yeah and then you mentioned that earlier you know things like low codes um api technology and uh, the the opportunity that is present within insurance with regards to innovation and we couldn't get through a podcast without mentioning ai on the tech series but you know i think um i think that's got to be something that startups in this space and as you say, in that policy administration middleware application, and we've got to be thinking about how we can utilise AI into their infrastructure to create that more personalised um, UI and create that more frictionless uh, experience for the partner and for the customer. It's, um, you know, obviously I don't know what the answer is in terms of that, but um, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming over the next couple of years we're, we're going to see a lot of... Um, AI pop-ups in this space. <laughs> you will definitely, and some of those will will come up and and prove to be solving a, 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 an unexistent problem, and some of them and and will disappear, and some of them will actually solve real real problems. Um, so there are lots of applications for AI within every industry, including uh, uh, insure tech. And a lot of people are trialing various um, use cases where uh, AI can be applied. And I think over the course of the next few years, we'll see some things come up and, and go, and some things will come up and stay and will improve and will actually become more and more trendy and popular because they are addressing real issues and they are making at the end of the day making the customer journey better the customer experience better uh, that frictionless experience uh, and solving those kind of problems and also from the 
career side solving issues, whether it is to do with providing better customer experience or providing um, better pricing or uh, uh, whether it is to do with the fraud detection or uh, understanding policy wording and things like that and uh, AI can you can look at AI and, and apply it on those use cases and many others mm. and I wanted to ask you a question about I guess it's um, in some respects it, it can be viewed as a negative question but I don't think it is I think it's you know in terms of innovation within uh, insurance as I say the I think a lot of ideas have, 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 have came to fruition over the last five, six years, and we've seen many companies, you know, really, really push the boundaries. And I think now it's it's about the execution of those ideas, and that's where it tends to get to that sticking point of, of growth. But, you know, what do you think, <clears throat> from your respect, you know, what, what do we not talk about enough within the insurance space upon improving something because we're very for example quick to talk about technology that can you know for example maybe take what someone from quote to bind and in, in, in four seconds and and you know it's all about speed and pace and just kind of curious to get your opinion on where you uh, in the space you attend a lot of events you're, you're you fly here there and everywhere and speak to so many people in the space like i'm always just quite curious to hear you know what you think about yeah, I guess what we're not talking about or what should be talked about or, as I say, any any interesting um, points of innovation that maybe, you've, maybe we've not heard on here. Um, interesting question. Um, what we not talked about, I think it's um, the the negative impact of um, potential technology or AI within, and, and that's not just in insurance, but everywhere. What is the human impact of that? And where um, is the ethical boundaries of applying uh AI and um, because there is always that fear is AI going to take over and replace uh, the human touch and things like that and that's I think is an interesting topic it's a topic that not being talked about enough and and, and some people are really um scared of it if you like um but it's something i think we're gonna need to address over the next few years to better understand the boundaries and 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 what ai is gonna offer and not offer and what is the impact the human impact of ai um to allow us to explore it better and utilize it better. Yeah, interesting. I mean, what do you think of it? You know, what's what? You know, when you say what it can and can't do, you know, do you have a 
an incline on terms of vision as to what you think it will do for the space. And personally, I don't think it replaces humans. I think it replaces aspects of a human's job to allow the human to become more human. I say that a lot. Um, you know, we had someone on uh, the other week from Simplify AI who's, you know, all about utilising AI and, and, you know, GPT to improve the claims process and allow claims handlers to really focus on the work that is the more humanizing aspect of their job, but it will in no way, shape or form replace a claims handler. Like, what do you kind of think of AI at the moment and, and where we are and, and where it could take the, the insurance space? I, I think I'm 100% aligned with that in, in that it will not replace, it will replace certain elements of the process that are simpler until there is some more complex algorithm and an AI capability. I think we will always need the the human and the human touch and 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 that um, decision making process. Uh, so it will allow allow us and allow people to focus on the things that really require their human intelligence and not the artificial intelligence and that's the key is is you're never gonna um, want to stop using that the human intelligence and 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 where you need to really have a human to judge and to assess things um and the ai will be solving the use cases where you can have straight through processing frictionless experience it is flagging things for you it is assisting in the in 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 the assessment and the judgment, but not making the decisions on behalf of humans. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and, and yeah. I don't, in some ways, I do understand the, the kind of the fear of the uncontrollable aspect. Or, you know, we've had businesses on uh, the podcast or Miller where they measure, um, they try and measure bias and root out bias within what the AI is doing in terms of collecting data and, and using that data to um, inform policyholders or, um, or a number of other things but it's a yeah I think it's that controlled element um, if you let it dilute through systems and and because the, the data is so sensitive within insurance and it's there's just, you know billions of data points and this thing learns, learns very quickly that that fear of not being able to control it um, comes into play. But as I say, you don't hear too many people talking about that fear, but you can feel that it's it's there's that still a little bit of reticence uh, around it, you know, to to go all in with AI. You know, it's kind of like the insure tech space is still kind of dipping its toe a little bit, but, you know, welcoming in it now. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and it, interesting you touched on the policy there and, and and this is one aspect is 
where AI will help, will assist, will advise, um, uh, for example, for a customer, um, policy wording is lengthy and complicated and you can have AI just tell you what you're covered for and not covered for mm. in a very simple and straightforward way. And you don't have to read that whole policy wording and what is where where what am I covered for and in which scenario and which situation and and everything else. And you can just ask it or it can tell you. So these things is helping, assisting, making making life uh, uh, easier and making people jobs easier not replacing mm. and you, you know coming into covergo and you know there's a very well established technology stack and strategy and, and a good base of success you know when you come in and you assess that you know start c2 is coming in say any stage you have to I guess, assess the technology strategy, the vision, and and, and a number of other things. I'm not going to describe the role of a, of a CTO, but I think that strategy and vision and, and the status quo of where we are right now, was that, was that something that was like a a consideration? Like Again, probably two quick questions, twofold. You know, was AI, has it been a bit of a, a serious consideration for you as to how you improve things like innovation and technical debt and stability and um, experience and and I guess coming the second part of the question is coming in to cover go you know what's been the the obvious challenges there um or assessments coming in as a as a CTO again having previously worked for similar companies in the space maybe some of that you can't share which I can appreciate but yeah yeah so of course, I mean, jumping in into Covergo as a CTO, I have to yeah assess everything and look at everything and what we've got and and understand the landscape and the technology stack and the capabilities and the people and the processes. So it it's it's have to understand all three technology, people, processes. I think we're um, and and assess where we have um, strength, weaknesses, opportunities, threats, etc. Do that SWOT analysis. Um, yeah. Part of your uh, hundred days, if you like, uh, assessment where the challenges and is is that in my two previous. InsureTech experiences, I was there from pretty much the start. So I know exactly what I had and yeah. and what I didn't have and uh, the debt. Whereas here, I need to figure that out and assess and, and accordingly also identify the key people that will help me in in that journey within the company and with assessing where is the debt, where are the changes required, etc. And that is um the challenge, but um I mean we've got a great team of people and um 
so I ended up, yeah, navigating my way uh, a lot easier than I thought because of the uh, help and the quality of the people. And yeah, and the um, and the people itself, again, everyone is so spread out, you know, even just not taking other functionalities into consideration, but the tech team is is so spread out, you know, from as I say, all over Europe to Hong Kong to Singapore to US, like how do you kind of manage because <laughs> as you say, you've been in from the beginning at uh, ICE and IOTA and, and, and I think they've all been in relatively the one place, like, you know that multinational, multicultural team. I'm always quite fascinated about how you create that culture across the board when you can, you know, a mad can't be in every place at the one time. So, uh, again, sounds like you've really leaned on the people from the organization, but it also sounds like you're quite big on being present in all of those areas. It seems like since I've been speaking to you, since you've joined CoverGo, that you've been traveling a lot. <laughs> Yeah, I think, uh, um, well, I started today at 6.30 in the morning because uh, I'm I'm talking to uh, 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 people in Hong Kong which are uh, GMT plus eight. So that's the challenge when you're, um, uh, uh, you have people everywhere in the world and then you, you need to be able to be flexible now. Um, mm -hmm. Generally, uh, uh, the team they work their local hours, but I need to be working with lots of people, so I end up have to um, adapt accordingly. And uh, I think it is about getting people together. So, and um, last week, for example, we had workshops in in Hong Kong. Uh, we had. A uh, dozen people uh, on site, um, everyone working, building that. Uh, it's a team building exercise, but as as well, it's also a collaborative uh, uh, exercise to to get everyone excited about things we do. Um, uh, so, and we doing that. There is a constant travel budget to make sure that even though we're remote, first we are allowing people to meet and um, and have that uh, human touch and be in the same room and, and stand in front of a whiteboard and and then maybe after working all day, go, go for a beer and uh, um, have a laugh. So uh, work hard, play hard, right? <laughs> Yeah, that used used to be my mantra. I ends up playing too hard. <laughs> I yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, you know, it's it's. I love to see it um, at Cover Goal because it's just. I just think it's a fine example of why location just does not matter. I always wonder, you know, maybe you don't know the answer to that. This is isn't even a question, but I do always wonder the origin story of a company going fully remote and and being global and so many different time zones like cover go are because well you know my kind of experience of as you know i do 
recruitment. We we do executive uh, search, unfortunately, podcasting isn't quite the day job. But you know, my experience working with InsureTechs is that they like everyone to be in the one place, or 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 at least on the same time zone, in order to innovate. Uh, but yeah, as I say, I think it's a fine example. I don't quite understand. The, I don't really ever understand now the rationale behind wanting your engineering team in the office two days a week every week in the same location i just think you limit yourself to from a talent perspective but also from a cultural and and diverse perspective which again is all key drivers for innovation um but yeah that's just a question i'll always ask myself as to why but and the answer i usually get is oh we're building a great culture and it's like well you can do that remotely <laughs> <laughs> and you'll yeah that's um i don't know what your kind of thoughts on that or if you have any but i'm sure you probably do you you can do that remotely but you need to make sure that there is um time where you can have people meet so like once a quarter or is that how you guys do it like how... as and when needed i'm not gonna yeah. put an exact yeah uh, once a quarter would be good uh, it could be more frequent, less frequent, depending on projects, what you work on. But it's really valuable having people um, meet up uh, every now and then and, and yeah. talk face to face. But on a day to day, you don't need to be in the office every day. Uh, you can still collaborate and talk and, and work and innovate. But it's um the time zone is an interesting one because um if you if you have a team where you're working closely with on a day to day basis then having similar time zone helps and mm -hmm. and so we have people in in and we have people in lots of people in the european time zones we have people in the asian time zones in the middle east time zones and it, it, it helps when the same group of people are, the time zones are close. Otherwise, um, uh, uh, it could be, um, if it's 10 hours difference, it could be uh, hard. But for us, um, I think everyone is just uh, uh, have flexible hours. We, we, we found the right balance, I think, somehow. Uh, in in how we work remotely with people from uh, very different time zones and still be able to collaborate, be efficient, and be uh, innovative. Yeah, and I think that's the nail in the head. You know, you find what works for you. You try not to put a a limiter or you know an amount um of times that you have to meet up. But I do agree. I think. Look, I'm not saying I don't understand why. You have to be fully remote, or you do. You can, you can only be fully remote. I think touch points are are very important, and it's um it's also uh, it gets you out of the house, right? You know, you can go a bit mad if you're if you're working in the house for two or three, four weeks without any contact. So, but yeah, I do think the uh, the time zone one is is tricky, which is why it's even more impressive as to what's been built there and continuing to build at Covergo, but um. But yeah, I think as I say, from a from a day to day perspective, like you mentioned, it's or even a week to week, you know, I think the the the, the talent you limit yourself from accessing is 
is quite significant. You know, a lot of the clients I work with are in New York, um, and they want an office in New York, and and that can be quite challenging from an engineering perspective. You know, yeah, and this is the thing you open up to a talent from all over the world when you are remote, um, mm. uh, straight away will be looking at people in different countries, um, different time zones, and you can attract uh, uh, talent there, different talent. So, so, and that's the interesting part and exciting part of of the uh, remote first. It's the pool of uh, people that you could hire just increase significantly yeah yeah well i think that's a great um final point to to leave it on ahmad um it really does fly by but uh i really appreciate you jumping on i know it's been a super busy time for you and the team um so again thank you for for coming on the the show and um and sharing your insights it's been it's been an absolute pleasure Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolute pleasure. Always good to talk to you, Gavin. Thank you. Take care. And you too.